Hello, my name is Stuart Leakes and I'm talking to Charles Edwards who is the director and set and lighting designer for Opera North's new production of Handel's Oratorio Joshua. Hello Charlie. Hello Stuart. Uh, now Handel wrote two main types of work for the theatre, didn't he? There yes, are the... there are the operas and the oratorios and everybody feels that there's a definitely a sort of division between these two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for one thing, obviously, the, the operas are all written in Italian um, and the oratorios uh, are English. And there's a sort of division, isn't there, that most of the operas belong to the sort of 1720s, 1730s. Then when the kind of audience for those operas sort of run out on him, he started to, to turn sure, his attention sure. to the oratorio, which was, in a way, was a kind of form that he... He sort of invented, more or less, wasn't it? Yes. So what's, well, what are the main differences? I mean, both were written to be performed in theatres, weren't well, they? Well, yes. I mean, we, we sometimes, in our, in our later attitude towards the material, we tend to feel that oratorios are very churchy, which often affects the way we deliver some of the music and the way we present them, obviously. And they are often now performed in churches or churches that have been converted into concert halls or in grand concert halls. And, of course, up in the north of England, there, there's always been a strong oratorio tradition, which is um, something I think that is vital for the way that they've been presented. They become more and more grandiose and less and less... Um, the text becomes less and less dramatic. It's much more orated, um, as you might expect, and, and scenes that little bits of recit where you think somebody might just be addressing somebody else in a very straightforward way, um, the recits slow down very heavily, which we're trying to avoid in, in, in the presentation we're doing. Um, the operas, of course, were written in Italian. They were, um, they were very much written for, for the upper classes. You had to be very wealthy to get a seat, and they were always pretty heavily sold out. Um, somebody, uh, I was researching this, and discovered that the, when Handel was on something like £500 a year, um, that was his income for producing these operas. Um, the, some of the Italian singers would be on something like £2,000 a year, plus various gifts they'd be given by various members of the audience because they tried to sort of ingratiate themselves with the stars. Um, so it was a, a very, very... It was talk about an elitist art form. It was completely elitist. And I think Handel really felt that um, by writing these oratorios that he could engage with a, with a different audience, um, an audience... He had to create an audience, in fact, because the the rich audience was backing away from the from the uh, Italian operas, and also to find a connection for them. He 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 used a lot of biblical stories, not exclusively, but a lot of biblical stories, and um, often they were connected to something historical that had been happening um, in. Uh, in Britain at the time. So they were very much British pieces written for a British audience. And the whole art form became effectively a British art form. There were oratorios that Handler wrote at the beginning of his career for an Italian audience. But we really regard the body of his oratorio work as being in England. said uh, quite often the texts for these pieces are based on 
um, biblical stories yeah. and specifically um, Old Testament stories. Uh, and that's true of Joshua, which is which is the one that we're doing. Um, so can you tell us, uh, just tell us a little bit about the story? Absolutely. Of this I mean, Joshua starts um, with the Israelites having escaped from Egypt and having made a safe passage through the Red Sea. And it's at their very arrival in this in the promised land that the piece starts. So there's a, a wonderfully um, optimistic and, and pioneering sense to their personality at the beginning of the piece. Um, and against that, there's this extraordinary private story, this leader who gradually rises to incredible military might with God's aid. And um, this whole life story of this man is, is charted, um, his, his, his rise to great military stardom, and then his rather strange, in the third act, it's rather interesting and strange, not really an abdication, but a sort of, he, he gradually, he, he enters immortality. Against that is also set a family drama, um, Caleb, the, the senior Israelite, and um, his daughter, Aksa, who have also arrived um, at the beginning of the piece with the whole Jewish people. Um, their story and their, their development, which is beautifully drawn. It's, it's very much on the level, at least, of any of the operas. I think in some ways it's even more mature, because Handel's theatrical maturity was, was gathering a pace by the time he got to the oratorios. So the, the way they, they are characterised is, is quite wonderful. And uh, the daughter Aksar uh, starts a, is in love with a, a young uh, Israelite um, who I think has been separated from her um, during the, the, the passage through the Red Sea. They're reunited and their love affair develops from a very childlike place to a very to a much more grown-up place during the piece as well. So there's all this, these themes really of a nation growing to maturity, a leader growing to maturity, a, a, um, a father saying farewell to his daughter while her relationship with her young man also grows to maturity. There's an extraordinary sense of, of, of development really for all these strands of the drama. Mm. So you've really got that combination of something that has kind of epic scale, yes. haven't you, in, in some ways, this sort of building These, um, of the nation. There are, there are wonderful shifts of, um, of perspective from you're dealing with a whole nation, as, as rather in the way you are at the beginning of Mussorgsky's Boris Godunov, and a, 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 a people hungry for a leader, um, and then the leader gradually, rather tentatively establishing himself in it. That's, and then... The characters of the of the choral music shift quite dramatically between one mood and another. So there will be a very contemplative scene followed by a very extremely agitated and 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 violent scene where where a chorus starts to starts to decide that it really will go to war and it will you know becomes more and more militarized. And then you've, as you say, you've you've also got this much more intimate, and very tender moments in the love stories. The love story of. Othniel and Axar yes. sort of unfolds as well. I mean, well. that, as so I say, variety, it's on it? the level of, of any of, I think, of the operas I've done, the, their, their relationship it can be charted. It's not, it doesn't necessarily, when you hear recordings of the piece, you tend to hear it partly because the recitative is delivered in a slightly stilted way. It's, I, I, I was, it's always been a question of trying to really get to the root of what the text is. Of course, in the oratorios, the recitatives are very, very much more compact, mm. which actually I love. There's no, there isn't a single wasted word. There's nothing m missing in terms of, of, the, of the development of any scene. Mm. 
So you've, you've sort of accepted the challenge, I suppose, of staging a piece that wasn't uh, written to be staged in a conventional sense in the first place, although it was first performed at a, a theatre in Covent Garden. Um, uh, what do you feel that you, you sort of bring to the piece, add to the piece, by staging it fully? Most importantly, the dramatic, um, the dramatic flow of the piece. I think, um, when it, particularly when I've when you hear it only as as music in a concert setting, um, the the characterizations of the of the people, um, they they seem to me to be bursting out of the music, and and I feel that they are totally restrained, and and somehow um, we don't really we don't really engage with the characters of the, the chorus are in an oratorio setting. Um, to do it at Opera North, with one of the greatest opera choruses that I've ever worked with around the world, um, you are dealing with an extraordinary collective um, people in every sense of the word. Um, and they are... Um, it's, it's vital for me that the, the piece becomes a living theatrical um, event when you hear this music. It isn't... It really isn't uh, dry church music, and it's uh, it's a challenge in lots of ways to to um, bring to the stage. And often people feel, oh, this is very much material that should stay in the in in a concert setting. That somehow we can engage with it perfectly well without any acting going on. I, I'm really not of that belief. I'm an absolute believer that somebody who was writing such incredible theatre music that handled it throughout his whole life, when he finally got to writing theatre music. Um, where or dramatic music, where the chorus is actually a hugely important participant, um, I think he would have staged them. I'm convinced he would have staged them had he had the money and had he been able to present um, pieces that way. It was really, um, I think it's rather sad that, that he didn't have a chance to do that. Mm. It's a bit like stripping away the, the dirt from an old oil painting that you perhaps get back to the general, the genuine dramatic energy that the piece has and present that on the stage. Yes. And as you say, he was Handel was a, a true man. He was the one of the great theatre composers. Yeah, I mean, before really before you know of the Baroque era, there really isn't anyone mm. to equal him. And can you choose a favourite moment from the piece for us? Well, for me, the the moment that really made me want to do this piece above the other pieces we were considering at the time was um, the brilliant introduction to the second act where the walls of Jericho fall. Um, the orchestration and the whole choral narrative of that, that's really for me what clinches this piece dramatically. They tell a vivid story, the orchestra underlines it brilliantly and it's uh, it knocks you for six it's a it's 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 got a, everything that Zadok the priest has but an ex a really brilliant dramatic event that it's accompanying thank you very much charlie you're welcome